everybody. We've got uh, almost 80 participants in and I think we'll probably have a few more people will join as we go. And thank you so much for joining. Um, we base all of these, uh, the content of these webinars and SIGs on feedback from you guys. So when this is over, um, I will be sending you a recording of the webinar and Janice has kindly agreed to share her slideshow as well. Um, and at the bottom of that email, there will be a really, um, there's a link to a really short survey. Um, if you can give us some feedback and also some information on what types of topics you would like us to cover in the future, that would be great. Um, we've got a few in the pipeline. Um, so lots of interesting information coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, so just a little bit of housekeeping for today. We hope to have it as interactive as possible, as interactive as these webinars can be. So Janice will have times in her slideshow where she'll invite you to share your experience. Um, so please raise your hand and I will unmute you and let you speak directly to Janice or else you can place your question in the chat or the Q&A section at the very bottom of your screen. Um, so Janice will attempt to get to all of those questions during the webinar, but if there's any left over, we'll make sure that uh, Janice answers them for you and that a copy is sent to everybody. So um, let me introduce you to Janice. Uh, Janice Crampton, the Executive Director and CEO of the Association of Independent School Administration Professionals which is a bit of a mouthful. Um, for those of you that don't know the association's role is to support those involved in admissions and enrollments. Janice has more than 35 years of experience in both school and tertiary enrollment. She also has vast experience of international and transfer students. She's served on the board of directors for local charities and several independent schools and presently sits on the board of the International Studies Association. And she has an amazing CV, which goes on forever and ever and ever, which you can access from our, our website. Um, so without any further ado, Janice, oh, over to you. Pro, Janice, so you've got to thank her for staying up late to serve our members. Oh, yes, I did forget to remind everybody that it's very, very late over in the U.S. Well, you know, I think that, again, very, very late is one of those things that is, um, you know, kind of all relative. I, I find in this time where, at least in the States and where I'm located in Connecticut, um, quarantining is, you know, definitely one of those things that we're practicing right now. So I'm suddenly finding myself that, you know, uh, 7 p.m. saying, oh, golly, um, is it time for bed? Um, but anyway, with all of that said, yes, it is 9 p.m. Uh, here in Connecticut, and it is in fact still Thursday here in Connecticut. So you guys are not only hours ahead, but days ahead or a day ahead. And, uh, and yet with all of that said, we are all still in it, aren't we? Um, and in the spirit of sort of all in it, um, I was so happy and honored to have Neil reach out to me and say, can we get together in a facilitated fashion where we can talk about and talk with each other about some of the current practices that we are seeing um, given our current state. And I think when we talk about current practices and current state, there's a couple of things that we right out of the gate have to understand is that there are, are um, admission and enrollment professional practices and uh, best practices that no matter where you are in the world and no matter what type of school you're affiliated with, there are standards of care that we all need to, once again, practice. 
And yet there is this beautiful, wonderful thing called independent or private that allows you to put not only your geographic culture um, and, 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 um, and community feel and flavor uh, together on this, but also the nuance of what makes your mission so special and so different. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. We're also gonna look at and identify some of the examining and tracking and monitoring that we need to do right now. And then certainly we will segue into recognition of what we must stop doing. What are we doing right now that may have well been exactly spot on to what we should have been doing back then, but what do we need to stop doing right now? What do we need to keep doing? And then what do we need to start doing that in fact might might sort of make the difference between being successful and being phenomenal. Uh, and then finally, and certainly not the least of which, we wanna spend time uh, opening it up for conversation to hear from you about the issues that have arisen and share with each other on things that you've dealt with. And, and again, maybe some of the things that have been your success stories um, along the way. So as we begin to talk about um, the topic at hand, I wanna remind you of a quote that I came across recently that I have to say really has sort of been my beacon um, throughout all of this, not only for, for personal reasons, but professional reasons. And it's something that um, Winston Churchill was noted as saying, and the concept is never waste a good crisis. And it's interesting because if we think about that for a moment, how many of you have found, no matter whether you're new to this profession or you've been doing this for a very long time, how many of you have found that when we think about planning and then working the plan, you know that there are a lot of twists and turns along the way, but the road to success is oftentimes viewed by outsiders, our leadership team, our members of our community, and sometimes even our own peer group as really that straight line. I mean, what could be so hard about what we do? We just have to invite people to come to our wonderful school, show them around, offer them the opportunity to pay a lot of money, and then come and enroll. And then we get to do it every single year for every single student. Well, the reality is, is that we know that the road to success is filled with lots of twists and turns and things that in fact are not part of our plan. And when we recognize and we adopt and understand that the road to success is not a straight line, and we as well remind ourselves that the road to success, whether it in fact seems like calm times or normal times, or it is in these unprecedented times, we must keep in mind that the concepts of enrollment management must be very much top of mind. So I wanna spend just a few moments and remind all of us about the word admission and enrollment. I've been doing this type of work um, for probably 30 something years. And I started off as someone who was in the admission office. And in that admission work, I not only evaluated and assessed I not, not only recruited students and families to come to the school, but I also spent time working on retaining those families. Now, people are oftentimes using the definition 
of admission as being much more outward facing, bringing new students in, having nothing to do with retention. But now more than ever, we need to think about the fact that the number of new students plus the number of returning students is our overall enrollment figure. And for that matter and for that case, we once again need to be reminded that our work must be in the concept or must be attached to the concepts of influencing students to come, influencing students to transition to the school, making sure that they can stay at the school, and then upon graduation, making sure that they and their families tell two people, and so on and so on and so on. So it's an ongoing process and a never-ending process. So what are the current practices, given where we are right now? I'll tell you one current practice is the acknowledgement that we are all figuring this puzzle out. No one has the secret sauce. No one has the crystal ball that they can plop on their table and say, when will we open school? How many students will we have? Will families be fearful of coming to our school, knowing, of course, that there is so much uncertainty that awaits them? We are all figuring out this puzzle. And there's some comfort in knowing that you're in good company, but there's also real kind of concern um, about the fact that there are a lot of things that are not in our control that have impact. So we also need to very clearly acknowledge something here, that there are in fact things along our journey, I apologize, I advanced the slide too soon. Um, there are things along our journey that we need to have clarity on, okay? So right now, even though I can't see your face, I can imagine that some of us, as we say in the United States, and perhaps it's a phrase that you all use in Australia and New Zealand and part of the Educate Plus community, but it describes someone who's quite fearful and it's that deer in headlights, okay? So I know that many of you are feeling like, what do I do right now? First of all, we need to breathe. First of all, we need to understand that now is a wonderful time for us to demonstrate our value and our worth to our communities. That in fact, in actuality, we are the ones that can not only calm those that are concerned in our school community outward in an outward facing fashion, as well as elevate and educate those people that are in our communities. Because let's face it, those in admission and enrollment have one foot in a school system and they have one foot in the community. And we are the bridge. We are the people that brings it together. So when we recognize the things that we cannot control, such as the economy, such as demographics, such as finance, and then we also um, acknowledge the things that we can control. And one thing we definitely can control is our attitude. You cannot work from a place of fear. And if you are at your desk or at your home right now, working from a place of fear, we need to develop strategies with you, okay? Where, where you can turn to your administrative team and turn to your leadership and not only present the things that you know that you can answer for them, but then spend time with them and say, and these are the things that I need from you. 
Now is not the time to bury your head or to resort to silos. Now is the time where connectivity is paramount. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited that Neil and I met many years ago and that Neil and I continue across the miles to correspond. Because again, this is a great example on partnership is the new leadership. And so now more than ever, you must turn to your colleagues and your friends and ask questions and find support. And once again, make sure that you keep in balance those, those things that you can and cannot control. Furthermore, we need to recognize that what you can control is the sphere of influence that you have. Now more than ever, your families, your customers are asking you to show them how you live your mission. They're asking you to help persuade them in their purchasing behavior. They have a certain amount of income that they can put towards education. And now they're hearing that there are other things that should capture, okay, uh, capture their hearts and their minds and their wallets. We need to remind them, we need to remind them of the value of your work and your mission. But again, in this context, no data, no um, operational duty and task, no strategy that you put into place is going to be successful unless you put the balance together between the content you're providing and the context. And let me show you an example of what I mean by that. Many of you are finding that you're being asked to generate data, to go back to historical information, to do projections, to look at your present student enrollment and your future student enrollment. And when you think about that high emphasis on data collection and interpretation, you must ask yourselves, why do I need this information? What do I plan on doing with that information? And how then is that information going to help tell the story as well as chart my course? And so in doing that, asking now about the why is critically important because so many of us are looking downward. We're looking downward and saying, I need to do this today because in an hour I need that. I need to do this today because I don't know if school's gonna open on May 11th. I need to do this today because I'm just not discounting the importance of the urgent, but now more than ever, we need to look up and we need to think strategically. So our actions and activities as we are then communicating those today are going to have implications in the future. The students you enroll today, in the midst of a crisis that might be financial or otherwise, are going to be the students that will help uh, guide many of your future enrollments. Many of the, the marketing impressions that are out there in the community. So remind yourselves on who you are as an institution. Remind yourselves on your boundaries of admittance and denial. Look once again at what your mission statement is and remember that once again, all of these different things and that skill set is based on something that you'll hear about in just a minute and that's your professional competencies, also known as PCs, and professional behaviors. Who you are, how you then do your work, 
are based and predicated on the art and the science. Context, as I said before, when you look at data, and these are the things that are what we're doing right now is, what were you thinking and tracking? Why and how and what does it mean to you? Why do you need it and understand it? And then once again, is the destination that you were headed towards the same? X number of months ago when you were just going about that goal towards enrollment or that shaping of a school community, now that we're in these unprecedented times, has the destination changed? And again, it could be that the destination has changed because no longer are you looking towards that aspirational goal of enrollment. Now you're just hoping to do worst case scenario. You may have had goals that might have been financial in nature. And now you're looking at it from uh, what might be the return on investment or what might be the, uh, the contract value of a student as they go through the years. So once again, evaluate your destination. And when you think about your destination and you don't know where you were even headed, look to your mission statement. Your mission statement is the guidepost for who you are and what you need to demonstrate and be. And when you think about that destination, again, I bet you that destination hasn't changed. How you get there has. And that brings us back to that road to success. So let's look now at what are the things that we should be examining and tracking and monitoring. Well, the first thing that we need to do, and again, it's in that immediate category, is know where, uh, without question, where you now are. I cannot tell you how many people that we work with, or I work with, where I say, if school were to start tomorrow, how many students do you have enrolled? Well, I've got a few that are in process. I've got a couple that are at, no, that's not what I asked you. If school were to start tomorrow, where are you? You need to know exactly where you are and then look at in process and then even break that down further. How many are just an inquiry? How many are a full application? How many still haven't visited the school? You need to break it down step by step. And furthermore, it's a wonderful opportunity to then look at people, not only in your admission process, but present enrollment at your school and pose the question, is there anyone that you think might be on the fence? Is there any family that had expressed to you or demonstrated that finances might be difficult? Are there any people in your school community that you've listened to the whispers and you've heard that maybe they're not happy are there any people that you're getting a lot of emails and phone calls from right now that are just once again having a hard time? Those people might be on the fence. And if they're on the fence, what are the things that you can control? You can control your attitude and you can control your relationships with people. And so this is a great opportunity to email them, text them, call them. If they live 10 meters down the street, walk to them. <laughs> but again, we have the power and control of doing what we do so beautifully in this profession, and that's relationship building. You also need to know, in order to enroll X number of students, I need Y. And again, what I mean by this is you need to make sure that you have clarity around how many students do you tend to need 
to generate in an inquiry pool or an applicant group or an admit group to then yield the students that are there. This is a time where data becomes king. Your understanding and your professional acumen towards the steps that bring you to your goal are critically important in this time. And if you are sitting there saying to yourself, but I don't know, then now is your time to pick up the phone, email me, you know, make sure that you get the support you need, contact Neil or Sheila, they can put me in touch as well, and as well they have resources. Because the absence of doing what you need to do doesn't mean it goes away. So if you don't know how to do it, you need to have someone who knows how to do it. And I cannot stress that enough. Once again, what are the things that we need to be doing now? We need to know without question every step and nuance in your process. Again, I am telling you for those that are saying, of course, Janice, how many of you have discovered now that you're not in the physical office that there were certain things that you thought that person did or that person did or you didn't realize like how complicated it was to apply to your school. Now you're seeing things from a different set of lenses. Never waste a good crisis. This is a perfect opportunity to examine the things that are in fact in place and examine the things that are your institutional strengths and you better know that your weaknesses are now going to be shown because those things are in fact going to be challenged so in very quick order, you need to understand how you might fix those things. As I mentioned before, don't waste a good COVID. This is a wonderful opportunity in the spirit of best practices to look at and do some strategic review for times of transition and planning. It's a wonderful time as well while you're dealing in the immediate to pause for a second and say, you know, school might be starting soon. How am I going to onboard those new students if I can't physically get to their campus for an ice cream social? As you're thinking about novel and creative ideas, then consider that in the context of either how long this is going to go on and how long you're going to have to sustain that, but also what are the steps and processes that you thought you always needed to do because you've always had to do them and you always did them? And now you're realizing, you know, they didn't really make an impact. Maybe, in fact, you can get rid of some things. Now is the time to lay it all out there. And so again, when you look at the measured uh, mission success priorities that you have established within your school community, go back and think where you need to reprioritize, where you need to, in fact, re-engage and move the puzzle pieces around. Furthermore, now is a time where you can begin to think about um, the prediction and the direct later part of things. Know what not only you need to know, but once again, consider why you're trying to solve for that particular problem. Because as I said before, you can go back to historical information and data. You can also look, what you, look at what you presently have. Turn, for example, to those students who were, quote unquote, on the fence or who were part of a, a weight pool or turn to those students who were inquiries in your process. And rather than thinking about how do I generate more and new inquiries, 
you already have people that were part of your process earlier on. You already had people that had expressed interest in your school. Go back to those people and remind them of why they first fell in love with you. So take advantage of what you presently have as you then begin to think about other things that you might add on. This is also a wonderful opportunity to enlist and turn to people in your school community that may not be as busy as, as they were when school was in session. For example, many of us have found, as silly as this might sound, that the school nurse or the people in the physical plant or the school librarian or um, a group of parents that were working um, as volunteers for you are sitting there waiting and hoping that they can engage. Turn to them and have them assist you in some of that outreach and uh, once again, ambassadorial roles and responsibilities. Look again at historical data, but don't look at one year of the historical data. We have found that you look at the historical data of that particular moment in time or crisis point, and then plus three years. And why is that? The reason that you look at the crisis year that you had in the past, and in, for example, the states, we are finding that 9-11 and 2008 are two key crisis years. And then we add those three years because it wasn't just that in 2008, when there was the economic crash, that was the problem. It was the subsequent two or three years after that. Now, as much as I said a few moments ago, we can't look at the crystal ball, or I should say we can look at a crystal ball, but we're not necessarily getting the answers. Keep in mind that this is at least a starting point for you and a contingency planning starting point. So how much should we stop doing, keep doing, or start doing, giving our, our present challenges? Well, once again, I think we need to continue to look at what is the problem that we seek to solve for the family? That's your mission statement. And furthermore, that becomes your promise to the school community. And so if that's our mission, delivering on your mission is how you actualize that promise. So again, look at your mission statement. And for those of you who know me, you know I love a good Excel spreadsheet. Take every sentence in your mission statement and write it in each square. And then look at your admission and enrollment process. Inquiry, app, school visit, parent interview, uh, student essay and begin to define the connections that you have with how that's demonstrated in your school mission. And now think about where you are right now. Gosh, we foster a feeling of family. That's in my mission statement. I know that during quote unquote normal times, how I demonstrate and show that would be that we would invite our, um, our newly enrolled parents to um, a reception on the school campus and have a family picnic. I cannot get more than 10 people in a room or you know, uh, uh, I have to practice social distancing. So how am I going to do that? Well, don't wait till the start of school and get your room parents involved 
Um, have an opportunity for a Zoom call with your, your parents and your new students. Again, I'm giving you some examples and ideas, and I'm not saying that I necessarily have the concrete answers, but what I'm trying to demonstrate to you is that through thoughtful contemplation, you can put together an action plan that doesn't have you deviate from your mission and still delivers on the actualization of what you've promised people. Now more than ever, we must remember that it's not about you. That for as much as we could imagine how we want to be treated, millennial parents, students, and the time that we're living in is that we need to treat people the way that they want to be treated. And that's really customer service 101. So when we think about how we might correspond to people, your process might be, I email back and forth. Your process might be, I pick up the phone and call. But a better way to meet people where they are at this time of crisis is to ask them, what's the best time? What's the best method for us to get together, for us to have a conversation, for me to assist you in what is clearly a pain point or an obstacle? Perspective and understanding is also what you need to put into place. And as we think about perspective and understanding, oftentimes in our strategic planning, we look at our school and we examine a process and we look at the financial implications and we think about modalities of learning and personas, right? And we look at, at details and information with regard to our market and our market share. And we look at demographics. That's all outward stuff that then helps to feed who we are. But now we must take that information, we must look at it in the context of, yes, your school, but your school as the place where families and communities are coming together. And how might your, your school community respond to those things? So you see, there's a nuanced directionality of this. There's another dimension to this. There's an opportunity for us to once again remi be reminded of when we think about the process, what works for them? When we think about finance, how much is it that they really need in efforts to then enroll at your school? When we think about demographics, does it matter? I mean, I'm on a Zoom call with you all at 9 p.m. in New York City area. It's 11 a.m. your time. Could you possibly enroll students that are further from one geographic area to another? It depends on how long this is gonna go on. But allow yourself the opportunity to imagine and be creative. And rather than thinking about it as this is not my job, you need to wait a minute and not confuse who oversees and manages and who in fact does the implementation. And more than anything else, I wanna to say to you that who does the do is beautifully demonstrated by the partnership that these two organizations have together. Because we understand the importance of getting us all together in this sort of think tank methodology and begin to provide that platform for you all to then not only have those relationships, but collaborate and support. And certainly that's the primary reason for our why 
because we know in admission and enrollment, as I mentioned before, there are both professional competencies and those behaviors that then inform you on how to do enrollment management. And we believe, we believe in it so much that we created um, an architectural uh, framework for our leadership development. And we look at our leadership and learning development framework so that no matter where you are in your professional development journey, you can think about now more than ever. Have you ever imagined a more perfect time where your professional competencies of planning and aligning and managing conflict and thinking about instilling trust and decision quality aren't being put right out there? And now more than ever, are you not needing to think about community interaction and understanding your leadership development? So as you think about what you need right now, we want you to once again be reminded that as you own the file, right? We have a file on a student and a teacher rec comes in and some assessment comes in and their application comes in and it's all part of that file. And that re represents one student. The same analogy is in admission. And so you might not write the story, but you have the information to tell the story. And so it's a great opportunity to pull these things together as once again, you own this file. So we wanna be able to open up our call now and have you all ask some questions and give some suggestions and share with each other on once again, things that um, have challenged you and excited you. And once again, ask the question of where are we today in all of these different things? Because we certainly know that whatever your destination, again, we're gonna be able to do this stronger by the fact that we are together. So Neil and Sheila, I would welcome the opportunity for me to stop sharing my screen and, and open it up for conversation. And I hope that uh, I haven't bored people to death. That's been fabulous, Janice. Uh, some great uh, advice there. And uh, interesting, in your context, is just as relevant here. In fact, as we were discussing yeah. before the meeting, we're, we're probably more advanced and coming through this process than you. But your, your advice is still just as pertinent to us now. So, um, no. I've just typed up that um, on the chat section, if anyone has got a question or would, would like to contribute to the, the 150 odd people who are listening, um, what you're doing that's really working well that you'd like to share with other members. In fact, um, Jen, uh, Elaine Tebbett has just written, that was really inspirational. It wasn't boring at all, it was fabulous. Oh, there you go, there you go. Well, once again, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, I don't want somebody to say this was a great bedtime story. And then I was reminded, no one's sleeping down where you are because it's the start of a new day. So, well, let me, let me ask this question if you don't mind. Um, uh, and Neil is off the screen, and we hope that just means that he bowed out to get a good cup of coffee. There he is. He's back. Um, so I have a question for you all. Let's, um, let's ask just again to kind of warm up the group. Let's think about two words that help to explain how you're feeling right now. When you think of your day, when you think of your role and responsibility, and you think about coming to this meeting, why did you come? What are the words and phrases? So Karen's saying creative. So you're taking advantage of this opportunity to now say, let me think of my creative juices. Leanne's saying excited. So why are you excited about this? What is it about this opportunity that you are now faced with that gives you that excitedness, that creativity? And what are some of those things that you might be able to put into place that would help Julie, who's worried, right? And that we in fact can ask 
asked Andrea for how we might reimagine. It was a great so, question from Samantha about how do you check with families on, on their financial position without, without your bursars thinking you're giving them an out? Okay, so can I pretend for a minute? Ready? Hi, Mrs. Smith. I just wanted to give you a quick call and see how you're doing because I know these are challenging times for you and I certainly am well aware that, um, that you had expressed interest in learning more about our payment programs. And how's that going for you? Have you been able to make some arrangements? Do you see? As silly as this, this dramatization that I'm providing is, it's once again doing two things. Have a phone call with your bursar and say, okay, we need to be a team. I understand my role and responsibility and how I need to stay in my lane. I'm not gonna give people reasons why they can't pay. What I wanna do is I wanna be the bursar whisperer. I wanna be able to have a conversation with our families to better understand what are their pain points and then I can communicate that to you. Now, again, it's about how you present this because every bursar is different, okay? I know for a fact, ASAP's Director of Finance and Operations is my husband. You'd think I'd be able to talk to him about finances in our own association, but I've got to go up and I've got to talk to him, right? My point is saying is, is that now more than ever, instilling trust and collaborating with people is going to be critically important. And so how do you do it? I think it's about relationship building. And I think that there are ways that you can very easily say to your bursar, I want to help you in this process. What are the parameters? What are the guidelines? And then let me go and find out. So I hope that made sense in, in sort of that, that conversation mode. Sophie made a great comment about your enthusiasm and wealth and information. She's found it really inspirational. And that's why I reached out to you. Um, we invited you to our conference a few years ago and you rated incredibly highly. Um, and so I've really enjoyed the partnership and what you've been able to bring today. Absolutely, and, and absolutely. You know, awesome. Julie is asking about the school being so relational, and that's a challenge to keep this up with your prospective parents. Telephone calls, Zoom meetings still don't quite do the same, and you're working on a care package. I love that. I love that. What about a book swap? What about rather than it becomes you doing the do, what if it becomes one of those things where um, I'm just making this up, but your first grade class, you work with the first grade teachers and maybe there can be um, an assignment that is uh, everything you needed to know about Corn Cob Academy, right? Maybe that's the writing prompt. And then they, I made up Corn Cob Academy, by the way, but then they write down things like the lunchroom is so much fun. Gym class is great. Don't forget to go see the bird that, you know, is in the science department. You, you now have your student handbook, right? <laughs> um, so again, there's those opportunities. Um, I'm trying to think if there are other things that come up. How about you guys? Um, what are some of the things that you've done creatively? And I think you can unmute yourself if you want your voice to be heard, but I, I clearly see that you all know how to type. Yeah, no, they just need to raise their hand and then I can allow them oh, to speak I and then see. they unmute, yeah. Okay, Sheila runs a tight ship. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, let's We've see. Heard of, um, virtual tours. Um, those types. Oh, Great. Thank you. In fact, I apologize, uh, Neil. You had asked me to speak to virtual tours, and and I did not. 
So <clears throat> there are a couple of things that we're seeing with virtual tours, and it's not that I'm suggesting you don't do it, but I'm, I want to give up some cautionary tales. <clears throat> First of all, now is not the time for you to feel like you've got to go and hire some incredible marketing office and department, sorry if there are any marketing consultants on the phone, you know, and do the big drone with the helicopter and the overlay. Relax. A GoPro, <laughs> an opportunity for maybe you and a student ambassador, you know, keeping your social distance, to walk around the campus and explain it. Um, there are some, I can send some links to some schools that have done some really nice jobs on virtual tours. Um, but I will tell you, interestingly enough, and this is something that has come up recently, and it, it does, I have to say, it does kind of sadden me, and here's why. People have discussed that we need to be careful about virtual tours because of security. That when you are doing a virtual tour, you're showing, in many instances, the potential of showing some unsafe zones. That, that place that in fact someone who doesn't, isn't coming to that virtual tour for the purposes of doing good, but doing harm to see some areas of weakness. And that saddens me greatly, but I must tell you, it is something that we need to think about. So um, virtual tours should be well within one's budget. I would also say a slideshow is just as impressive and as important to get together that um, almost collage of pictures, right? To have your choral group or your band or a group of students from a, a talent show to be the music background, then you don't have to pay license to, you know, some songwriter for a song you want to use. Um, and, and I'm also seeing here by way of virtual tour is what are ways that you can, again, be as authentic as possible? And I think one of the best ways to give a virtual tour is to see if one of your classrooms might be open for consideration. So hear me out on this. Listen to me, I kind of get so excited about it. Okay, so, so many of us have bring a friend to school day, right? Why not bring a friend to school day? You could work with, again, let's pick the third grade, work with that third grade teacher say the students are invited or a group of students are invited to bring a friend to school day and then they experience the school day on that zoom call or in that art class or in a music class or in the math class do you see this is where our schools are shining it's been a great suggestion from sophie bennett and someone else has said their principal's doing the same they got their principal to read a story to their right. isn't that what a great um yep. message of the community and caring That's and right. And, and I've seen a number of schools, and again, I can um, seek to provide you examples, but I think by description, you're gonna get the general idea, is that, um, for example, some schools with a religious affiliation have had the masses or have had you know, a sermon read or you know, something like that. Furthermore, many schools have um, like reading buddies, the eighth grade works with the fourth grade, you know, the seventh grade works with the third grade and so on and so on have them get together on these virtual opportunities. Have a teacher do a project with the parents. So when you are in fact thinking about um, how to show your mission and the virtual tour, go to the art room and have, you know, again, everybody's up for, you know, a good glass of wine uh, in the evening. <laughs> 
Um, but, you know, have the art teacher teach a, a, an exercise that might be part of what they were, were learning during the day. Um, but I do love that idea of the principal reading. Um, you know, now also, someone from the board. Like, could you imagine the board of trustees, director, you know, reading something or doing something to demonstrate? We're all in this together. So... Um, again, it's, it's been part of it. Um, Patricia's talking about social media as a great way to communicate with parents. And I would love to hear how you are either monitoring that um, as a closed group or are you almost doing along the lines of Facebook Live so that people, you know, anyone can join. Um, because, you know, again, there's Patricia. Yeah. So Patricia, could you comment on that, on what you've been doing? Just unmute yourself, Patricia. And we want this to go well for Patricia, so others will raise their hand and chime in. While she's unmuting, Janice, my pussycat Cleo's just popped in to say hello. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Well, next time we meet, I want to have your newborn grandson come in yes. and meet, you know? So, but Patricia, I don't know if you have an, um, an interest in chiming in that way. The, the um, volume is on the bottom left of your toolbar there. Um, but... Uh, Oh, and Patricia says she's working in a large space with many people. That would be my kitchen right now. But uh, anyway, um, so um, the other thing that came up is um, your website. Okay. So once again, we would recommend this even on the best of days. But now more than ever, don't just have your tuition fee on your tuition page. It needs to be about accessibility. It needs to be about affordability. And it needs to be about how one can manage. So again, I'm going to express this in US dollars. If your tuition is 30,000, 50,000, 60,000, I don't care what the amount is, I'm using it for the purposes of demonstration. Don't just have the tuition on your page. Show people that you can do month-to-month -month payment programs, that you can put it on a credit card, you know, whatever those methods might be. But what you want to show people is that you, once again, understand, what did I say earlier? About the seat that they're sitting in, that you understand that that disposable income may not be at the ready to just write that check. So, um, Ms. Clark, it says J. Clark, so it's Mr. or Ms., but we're in Western Australia and our school reopened this week. <gasps> oh, congratulations. With 60% attendance, how do we encourage prospective families to continue to inquire without the ability to do, do a group tour? Oh, uh, without the ability to do a group tour. Well, I think you could, again, use that... Um, you know, Zoom capability or have them be virtual or is it that they can't do a group tour or what about going single? And you might say, oh my gosh, Janice, but we have, you know, 30 people per visit. Um, I understand that. But, but it, are you saying, Jay Clark, um, that you cannot have anyone come for a tour um, or are you saying you can't do group? So if it is the case that you just can't do group, then you got to do singles. You got to do singles. Um, Samantha's doing one-on-one -on -one tours. Yes? Joanne has unmuted herself. Did you want to talk, Joanne? No? Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I have, to, I have to say, Neil, I have been with the wonderful Educate Plus community and danced like I never danced before with Geed Up 
And so I just don't think they're as quiet in silence as... Janice, you'll be pleased to know that that, that band G'd up is coming to our international conference in Adelaide next year. They're, they're part of the institution, so... <laughs> and, and Neil, did you tell this group that they came to, we had them come to California because we no. love them. So Janice came to our conference. She loved the band so much. She brought them, flew them over to California. And um, normally if they get about half a dozen delegates dance and within the first couple of songs, every single member of ASAP was on the floor. It was great to see. So much fun. It was so yeah. much fun. But anyway, we're, we're now reminiscing, Neil, and we're supposed to be helping um, our wonderful colleagues. Indeed. So there's um, been Patricia's suggestions of one-on-one -on -one tours yeah. um, using Facebook, submitting photos via Instagram. Some great ideas coming through there. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Yes, Bell's got a question there. Sheila? Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. I thought I finally somebody should talk, so I'm going to be the one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I think you're fabulous, by the way, Janice. So I'm, oh. it's a delight to have you on the other side. Thank um, you. We, I just thought I'd just put it out there rather than typing it, that we actually have just changed everything on our website to virtual. So um, to book a private tour, you're booking a virtual tour. Uh, that means that on the day we closed, I ran around with a fellow with a camera and did a quick tour. And um, that's a video. So when anybody books one, we contact them, give them the link, and then we contact them after they've seen the video so that we can have a chat like we would on a normal private tour. Yeah. And we have our virtual prospective parent information sessions where the principal talks um, and so it does a PowerPoint presentation. Our school captain or one of our captains will speak. Um, I'll do some Q&A as will the principal. We show a short video, a very short video of the school um, and then parents have their Q&A at the end. Um, yeah. And we'll of course take all their names and we'll contact them afterwards. Mm -hmm. so, um, and we're trying to also do a um, chat online like you do when you ring up Telstra or Qantas and nobody's ever at the other end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We thought we might do that because we feel that people aren't ringing as much because they think no one's there. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. trying to make it as easy from home as possible. So, Catherine, are you saying that, um, I mean, I understand the fact that you're saying that people can ring and whatever, but what I want to clarify is, are you saying that you have a, a widget or something on your website so that it's almost like I'm chatting? That's what we, we're trying to do. We haven't got it yet, but yes. Okay, okay. okay. Janice, someone's just asked about the reading of those stories, whether they infringe uh, publishing rights. Um, Educate Plus, we pay a small fee, an annual fee that allows us to um, publish or read certain content. So, if again, most schools, I imagine, would have um, something like that with the Copyright Association of Australia. So... I wouldn't have thought, and your intentions are honourable, so I wouldn't have thought you would have an issue there. I, I would agree. I would agree. And, um, you know, just a, a good Google search, or wouldn't it be kind of interesting to write to the author and say, we'd like to read your book out loud, you know? Yeah. Again, some of them are are not still of this earth, but, uh, you know, anyway, I think people are going to understand the intention. So, and Catherine's saying that her social feeds direct into and out of the website. Um, and, and, you know, again, for as much as I think these ideas that generate or potentially generate interest, I will go back to my undying commitment to 
to what was expressed with regard to generating inquiries and and um, and uh, Jay Clark is saying that um, she's talking about the fact that even though they can do smaller tours, it's getting the momentum going and the inquiries going again. And, and I completely understand what you're saying because right now, I think we also need to recognize where we are in our mindset and in our timing, right? We are asking people to think about a transition at a time that they've never had so much uncertainty, okay? And this is where we need to educate our leadership with regard to the fact that our process and our calendar is going to look and feel different this year. The other thing to highlight to leadership is that those people doing admissions have one of the most important roles in the whole institution at this time. And for all time, I always tell admissions people that, most important in the school. That's right, that's right. And so, you know, you have the opportunity um, to once again respond to the fact that um, maybe some of your deadlines for applications need to be changed or altered. Um, maybe some of your practices with regard to, um, again, you know, your school visits or once again, the calendar. Um, and, you know, again, I, I hear what you're saying when you say, how do we, how do we get the inquiries going? Um, I believe, okay, I believe that the inquiries will start, but they're not going to start now. Um, Neil, do you, do you agree with me just because of timing? The, um, someone's just said, do, do they expect there'll be a delayed effect on enrolments? Um, what I'm hearing as I ring around the country is um, in New Zealand, we think there'll be um, quite a significant impact on enrolments because the funding is much less than we enjoy in Australia. The schools I'm hearing from in Australia, there's been very minimal indication of student loss. There will be some. Uh, one of the strategies I heard the other day, which I thought was very good, was to over-enrol for next year. Yes, yes. The increased uh, people who can't commit or fulfill the commitment. Um, but um, Australia, we've been very fortunate. We've had a lot of government funding to keep people employed. Um, we think that we'll recover pretty well and we're almost out of it. But as to um, in the effect on enrolments, I think there will be some. It's, it's, we hope it's not going to be too significant in, in Australia. We, I think we have to appreciate that it is going to affect New Zealand more and we're certainly going to be there to support those members uh, in coming years. Yeah, I think that again, we must acknowledge that there will be impact. Um, the magnitude, the depth of it is uncertain. Um, I think again, that, that this is now a time for people to turn to institutional commitment to families to determine how they might support them, um, as well as institutional commitment to uh, the kinds and types of students that are admissible. Um, because again, uh, you want to avoid that future uh, mission creep, right? That, that all of the students that you're able to, to offer enrollment to because you've, you've basically dissolved your parameters are going to change and impact your school culture. And, and I think that again, 
as long as we can, going back to the question about making a family, a call to a family on behalf of the bursar, right? Um, you know, that kind of thing. That's where we have the opportunity to not only learn about the nuances of things that may be out of our um, initial realm of duties and tasks, um, and then allow that opportunity to then be on the front line with your bursar in saying, how can we work with you? Let's talk a little bit about this. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Karen Rooney just uh, made some great points about appreciating that parents currently are in survival mode, thinking about their own situation at home and what have you, and, um, and looking after their children. So that uh, she's saying, um, or acknowledging that we shouldn't push enrollment too much, but I loved some of your early messages about showing them that you care, so why you exist, and showing that value proposition as a way of subtly reinforcing the great um, relationship yeah. you have with them. You know, I, I will also share with you, um, you know, we do, as you know, Neil, these, these um, um, events around, around the world, and as we gather with colleagues like we're doing right now, there was a, a woman on the call recently that spoke very poignantly about um, those new students coming in and the fact that given all the quarantine and distancing, that that child did not have the opportunity to say goodbye to their, their class, right, before they are now going to be enrolling in this new school. And mind you, just because of seasons being so different, um, you know, perhaps that is not the case that you are dealing with because people have had summer vacation or whatnot. But where I'm going with this is to imagine that um, when we, in fact, harness our best and think less about the transaction and more about the, the transformation and the relationship, I think we're going to be far more successful because that family that makes that transition and feels that they've been listened to and cared for, they're going to tell two friends. And, and there are going to be students, even though right now it's uncertain, that they're going to go into that school environment and without any disrespect to other educational environments than what we are working in now, they're going to be, they're not going to get the quality. They're not going to get the kind of care. They're not going to get, and they're going to come. They are going to come. Um, and Sally's saying they're calling every current family. How fabulous. Angelina and Sally are doing that and saying that's being really well received. So if that's probably one of the key messages I've taken out of today is that keeping those relationships going, showing that you care, why you exist, um, as being a way and getting, uh, treating people well in this, these challenging times. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as Laura is responding as well as a school that has borders, I want to circle to what Angelina was just saying about the inquiries past and present. And, you know, I would make the case, Angelina, for as much as it's a data thing, <laughs> that you just make notes on all of those inquiries that you have made and those conversations. And it would be very interesting to track that relationship building because we must also remember a very important data fact that in a in sort of historical data neil i think you're in fact the one that told me this that there's an 18-month purchasing process 
And we forget that it's an 18 month purchasing process that many people think of their problem, seek for resolution, make the inquiry, process it, and it takes time. So we need to remind ourselves that the work that you're doing now in cultivating that is going to pan out, but it may not pan out in the short run. Mm -hmm. Someone's offering fee concessions. Um, ah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some yeah. schools are some schools are freezing their tuition, and mm -hmm. um, you know I think that would be a great session to get the bursars and the admissions people on this on the phone because you know there's the cost of doing business that we need to be mindful of. So yes, we've we've reflected on that too. It does cost yeah. money to buy business, and you have a, there's a value into what we provide or what you provide. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, 25 new students start in January and then only had one term of the school and they've been at home. What we did when they restarted term truth was invite those students to attend school with the students who were at the essential worker show. So, okay, great. So it's once again, right, flipping, pivoting. How do we keep relationships with one group to the next? Yeah, Absolutely. I heard an interesting example the other day from Barker College in New South Wales here. Yeah. To provide value for the money that parents have paid or committed to for the year, they have adopted for the remainder of the year, rather than having three terms, they're going to have two long terms oh. so that the parents get a significant period of quality education for the remainder of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. I that to the head of New Zealand the other day, uh, yep. the ISNZ, and they were really impressed with that strategy as well. Yep, that's exactly right. And you know, here's another, and it's a, it's a mental mindset, but I do think that it has, um, has uh, food to then marinate on, right? <laughs> My analogies. Um, you know, when we examine a student's tuition, not just for the year, but what we, what we call the total contract value, you can really put into place some creativity there. So that if you know you're enrolling a second grader and you go all the way up to the 12th grade, right, to, to make some concessions in one area when you know you're going to have them for the, the entire period of time or you seek to retain them for the entire period of time you know rather than some of those stop stopgap measures um that may be for families that are coming and going so um again uh, food for that. but lots of ideas and i certainly know that uh, you've got your thing called your day job though guys yeah. Janet, speaking of day jobs it's night job for you janice we asked you for a 20 minute commitment you've given us an hour of your valuable time away from your family we've kept you away from your gin and tonic uh, so on behalf of all the educate plus members i just want to thank you uh, we do value our ongoing relationship with asap uh, you've mentioned that you've got your online institute coming up. I've just put yes. that idea to our board and uh, we'll, we'll um, again, got a good relationship where you offer member rates to Educate Plus members for Absolutely. those types of activities. So uh, thank you once again. People are all, lots of messages saying thanks, Janice. They love you, as we did in the Gold Coast. You're terrific. You're a very knowledgeable person and it's wonderful that you've been willing to share that knowledge and expertise with our members. So best wishes. Uh, thank you once again. Thank you Janice. once again, Joe, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Take, Take care. Bye-bye.